the most reverend rates. <laughs> oh, man. Opening your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to get there in just a moment. We're going to look at verses 18 through 23 again today and some other scriptures in the Word of God. But I'm just excited to be able to share um, part two of the message that I started last week. As many of you saw probably in your notes, you say, hey, he only preached his first point. Well, I'm going to preach the second and third point this morning. I'll do a little bit of review to catch you that are guests up. Um, but we just want to welcome everyone here. I, I, I see some familiar faces and I see some new faces. Welcome to the guests this morning. If you are new and visiting us for the first time, we hope that you're, um, you feel welcome this morning. And we have a special gift for you back at the information table, which is over by the exit door. You can grab that on your way out. And then also, in your welcome packet, there's a, um, a tab that you can pull out, fill out, and drop back in the giving box in the back, and we would love to get to, to know you. Hey, I want to um, greet you this morning as well from Pastor Glenn. He texted me yesterday and said to extend his warmest greetings to all of you. He is doing well, progressing, and he looks forward to being back in worship with us soon. So I believe he's watching from live stream. He promised that he was going to tune in this morning. So let's just turn away to him and say, hi, Pastor Glenn. And so he's recovering from a total knee replacement surgery, and we'll be back soon. We're also blessed to have Vicki with us this morning, his wife. And so, yes. <laughs> She wanted to come and say something, but I said, no, not this morning. <laughs> Just kidding. Jordan mentioned um, our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I just want to take a moment, and the ushers can hand out um, the notes at this time, too. You can just hold that and take notes along with the message in just a moment. During our 21 days of prayer and fasting from January 5th through the 26th, that's Sunday to Sunday. There's a three-week period there. We are looking for individuals to host prayer groups, as he's mentioned, um, in your home. It could be also in a common place, a public place, like a Panera, Starbucks, a, a coffee shop, or library, anywhere, anywhere. It can even be here on a Sunday morning um, in a conference room up in the kids' junction area down in the racquetball courts. Um, we just want to infiltrate and infuse prayer into that 21 days, all right? Just seeking God's heart and direction for our own personal lives for our community, for our nation. How many know that um, right now is a volatile time in our nation and we're commanded to pray for those in leadership um, here in our city and then also throughout the nation and the world. And so we want to lift up all these things and then also we want to pray for God's direction um, for 2020. How many, how many heard that 2020 is a leap year? And so I've just been praying, Lord, leap me forward in faith and in church and spiritual growth in the 2020, and so um, I'm excited about this prayer time. See one of the pastoral team members, please. All you have to do is open your home. It could be for a short period of time. It could be for an hour. It could be for less than an hour. It can be an hour and a half. It could be around a meal. No meal, desserts, no desserts, just prayer, whatever you want to do. Um, we just ask that you pray during that time. I also believe that um, by doing this in regions throughout our city, that we can get to know each other um, deeper as well. And so we're just looking forward to this just being a blessing to the church and a blessing to us spiritually and relationally. So please seek out a member of the pastoral team if you feel like the Lord 
places that on your heart to do so. Let's stand together and pray. And we'll read the word together. Father, we just thank you this morning that we can celebrate the Christmas season together as a church family. Lord, we all have different plans this week. Some are already with family. We pray for them this morning, that you just bless their time with their family. I pray for the rest of us, Lord, who are getting ready to go into the Christmas season. Um, we know that Christmas time of year can be a time of great joy, and it can also be a time of great sadness for some, for a lot of different reasons. We just pray that you would be Emmanuel, God, with us in this season. We thank you, Lord, that you came as a baby. You died on the cross for us. And, Lord, that you were raised again, Lord, and you sit at the right hand of your Father, interceding for us. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you want to do in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Last week was our family Christmas service and kids' Christmas program. And we had a great time. And as I mentioned, I shared the first point of my message, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And we looked at Matthew chapter 18, verses, chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. You remember what I said um, last week, the word that sums up Christmas for me, and I want to repeat it again this week, is the word hope. I just believe that God wants to give each of us hope. That is my pursuit. That is my prayer. Um, I shared last week how Luke in Acts 2.26 quoted the psalmist David in Psalm 16.9. And then Eugene Peterson, the author of the message version of the Bible, translated Acts 2.26 as such. I'm glad from the inside out ecstatic I pitched my tent in the land of hope. I shared last week that there's a lot of different places that you can pitch your tent. You can pitch your tent in the land of fear and anxiety. You can pitch your tent in the land of bitterness. You can pitch your tent in the land of negativity like a lot of people um, have done and are doing. You can pitch your tent in the land of greed. But I encourage you this Christmas season to pitch your tent in the land of hope. Because where you pitch your tent will determine the comfort of how you sleep. How many know that's true? Tenning 101. You want to find flat ground that is free of tree branches, rocks. Been there, done that the wrong way. If you want to be comfortable, you don't want anything sticking you in the back as you're trying to get a good night's sleep with the wolves howling outside and the raccoons stealing your food, right? Or bears. I've never been that close to a bear, but I know some others have. You don't want to um, pitch your tent on a hill, especially if there's rain in the forecast. Oh, man, my dad did this. Oh, my gosh. We were up in Minocqua. Alyssa was just born. Um, Josh was like 18 months, two years old. We had a pack and play inside of our tent. We were living up in Minneapolis, and we met my mom and dad in Minocqua. They bought a tent. They said, all right, we'll try this tenting thing with you. 
You know, can't we just get a hotel? I'll even pay for it. I'm like, no. I want to start some memories with the kids. So they bought a tent. They brought my niece and nephew, who were also younger, like three or four years old at the time. They pitched their tent on a hill. There was rain in the forecast. The first night was fine. Sun. Second night, we sat around the campfire, and and, um, Lisa made the fire. She was the Boy Scout in in the group. I tried. Nothing got started for me. She's like, let me show you how this is done. <laughs> so we enjoyed um, s'mores that night. And how many of you ever had s'mores with like those, what do they call the Keebler cookies? Like the stripe of Keebler cookies. Oh, it's awesome. It's like built-in chocolate. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, we did that. We did that that night. We told stories. My niece and nephew loved it. My mom and dad's like, this was a good idea. Then they went to bed that night. There was like thunder and lightning in the distance. They're like, we should probably put the fire out and get to bed. And the next morning, we had a a little bit of a puddle inside of our tent. It had rained really hard and stormed all night long. We walked outside of the tent. We were drying things off a little bit. And we looked over, and my mom and dad were sitting in the car with my niece and nephew, like at 8 o'clock in the morning, car was running. I looked over, no tent, nothing at their tent site. I said, what's up? And they're like, we're going home. This vacation is over. And I said, where's your tent? And they said, we threw it away. We're never doing this again. (laughs) They threw their tent away that they just spent like a hundred and some dollars for. I couldn't believe it. And they haven't. They've kept their word. They've never tented again. They're like, Lisa, you can do that. So where, you're, where you um, pitch your tent matters, right? We have a choice. We have a choice. It, determine, it will determine how you sleep. So I encourage you this Christmas season to pitch your tent in the land of hope. Matthew chapter 1 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph... Being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Amen. All this took place to fulfill what God had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Last week I talked about Emmanuel and the meaning, God with us. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 was my theological ground zero for what I shared And Isaiah 55, 8, 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens, listen, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Just bookmark that in your mind. A little bit of review. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts more than your thoughts. 
I shared last week that our sun is the closest star to the earth in our tiny galaxy called the Milky Way. I shared that the sun is 93 million miles away, and if we were to drive there at an average speed of 65 miles per hour, seven days a week, 365 hour days a year, that it would take us 163 million miles we would travel to get there. Astrophysicists have discovered galaxies that are 15.5 billion light years away. Therefore, I mentioned last week that our best thought on our best day is 15.5 billion light years short of how great and awesome God really is. He is God most high. I mean, I wish I could stand up here and just talk and talk and talk about how great God is. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is almighty, but as we learn at Christmas time, he is God most near. It is this idea that at Bethlehem, God became one of us. As I closed last week, I mentioned that when we sing the song at Christmas, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, that it's more like God is singing to us, O God, O Come, O Come, O Lance. He's inviting us to the table. His desire is not um, for us to reach out to him, but his desire is for him to reach out to us. One of my favorite Christmas stories is about a little boy named Benjamin. So it's God with us, God for us. And Benjamin wanted a baby sister for Christmas. So he sat down and decided to write Jesus a letter. He sat down and wrote, Dear Jesus, I've been a very good boy. Then he stopped writing because he knew it wasn't true and God wouldn't believe it. So he started over. Dear Jesus, I've been a pretty good boy. And he stopped and he said, that's not convincing either. So he crumpled up his paper and he threw it away. And he went into the bathroom and grabbed a towel, walked into the living room and saw there that his mom had displayed the nativity scene. He walked over, grabbed the figurine of Mary, wrapped her in a towel, hid her under his bed, and after hiding her under the bed, he sat down at his desk again and wrote, Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again. <laughs> we laugh. And it's funny, but don't we do what Benjamin did? Lord, if you do this, I'll do that. Lord, if you don't do this, I won't do that. We try to use bribery and blackmail, don't we? But these tactics never work. And does it really matter? Because God is for us. He's not against us. God is for you. God is for you. Are you faced with challenges in your life right now? Maybe you're here this morning and you're experiencing marital problems or financial troubles, or maybe you're concerned about a child or grandchild. And, and so as I mentioned earlier in my prayer, maybe this Christmas isn't so merry for you. 
maybe you're concerned about a few things. What then do you say to these things? Do you know what God wants you to say? He wants you to say, like it's written in Romans 8.31, if God is for me, who can be against me? God, the Almighty, whose thoughts and ways are 15.5 billion light years away, 15.5 light years higher than our thoughts and ways, is for you. I learned this the hard way. Shortly after Lisa and I were, we dated for, how long was it, babe? Like four years? We dated so long that I remember uh, ministering at Lisa's home church in Worthington, Minnesota for an extended services. And he brought me into the office during the week that we were there and said, you guys need to get married. This is getting to the unhealthy part point. Four years. A lot of that was long distance, too. See, we had met when I only had one year left of school, and Lisa had like three. And so we, after my first year of school, we got engaged. I promised her dad, and I promised her that I would honor her commitment to seek her degree in education. And I moved back towards my hometown and ministered in Belvedere, Illinois, on staff there at a church. And Lisa continued on, and we saw each other monthly. We talked a lot on the phone. Those were back when you had, didn't have unlimited calling. You didn't have um, cell phones. You know, it's like hundred and some dollar bills a month. I guess it's about the same. It's about what I pay now. <laughs> we had dial-up internet. <laughs> but we, we dreamt and we, we talked together about marriage. And um, we honored each other during that time. And we prayed together. And we said, we want to have a family. I said, yeah be awesome if we had like a boy and a girl like my side of the family everybody had boys and girls and just two was good and she said I would love three kids and I said well let's just start with two and it should be we'll, we'll decide after that and so we got married and uh, we spent the first six eight twelve months of our marriage just getting to know each other um, learning how to do this marriage thing and then we started to try to have kids and Nothing was working. And so just kept trying. Nothing happened. Then we got concerned after a year or so in. Went to the doctor, sought medical help and advice. And the doctor um, talked with Lisa. They did a bunch of different tests and different things, pursuing um, you know, opportunities to get pregnant. I went to my urologist and went through all these different tests and different things. We were pretty discouraged during that time. Time went on. Um, we shared our frustrations with our close friends that were couples. And then one of the couples said, man, we feel bad for you. You know, um, we just know how much you want to have children. And there's no way that we want to have kids. And we're like, well, we do. Guess what? Two, three months later, that close couple friend said, we want to um, have you over. We have some news to share with you. We're pregnant. And we're like, wow, congratulations. Um, 
we're still not. And it was hard. It was hard to be excited for them. And I remember us saying and even verbalizing, you know, God, how could you bless them with kids when you see that we're trying to have kids and they didn't even want to have kids and, and now they're pregnant and we're not. We continue to believe God for a miracle. We continue to pray. We reached out to one of our um, Bible college professors who we knew had an awesome prayer life, was consistent in the relationship with the Lord. They happened to be in the area ministering, and so we had dinner with them, and we told them how we've been trying, and we were believing God for a miracle, and how the doctor said that um, what, what our situation was kind of like subclinical, meaning there were, they didn't know why we couldn't, but they knew that there was a problem. And so they said, let's pray together, and we prayed at the dinner table, and we prayed hard, and we we're just believing God together, and I'll never forget Dr. David Nichols looked up at me, my Bible college professor, and said, Lance and Lisa, you guys are going to have kids. Matter of fact, you're going to have sons. And we're like, that's, we received that, but it's hard because nothing's happening. And Lisa's like, did you hear him? He said, sons, plural. And so we continued on faithfully serving God. I wouldn't say perfectly but faithfully, consistently serving God, believing God for a miracle. That fall, um, they, our church joined with other churches to do this big outreach in our city called Convoy of Hope. And I w had signed up to be in leadership and to help coordinate it, and Lisa signed up to help in one of the booths. And what the idea was is Convoy of Hope was going to come from Springfield, Missouri with this big semi-load of groceries and distribute groceries to people in need, and there were going to be people giving free haircuts and dental services and medical and health screening tents and the gospel being preached, and it was just going to be a great day in our city, bringing the churches together to serve people in need. And it was toward um, the end of summer, and we, we had set up, we had put our heart and soul into that event, and um, Lisa and I served together doing that, and I'll, I remember... Um, Toward the end of that day, I had heard that Lisa had passed out at one of the health screening tents. Um, they were doing like blood glucose screening for like diabetes and they pricked her finger and she hates the sight of blood and boom. Um, and they were concerned about her and I'm like, oh, she's passed out before. <laughs> no, not make it, <laughs> she, she had, she, she cut her finger once um, as a teacher and passed out and the only thing that came out of that was an ambulance bill. <laughs> but to be fair, I had a few ambulance bills that we had to pay too, so we're good. Um, so anyway, you know, we just kind of chalked it up to, you know what, it was a hot day, it was a hard day, you saw blood, you passed out, no big deal. Around that same time, we had... Um, taken a trip into Chicago to this crusade called Awake America, where these evangelists and, and worship teams were getting together. It was a big outreach in Chicago. And we heard a bunch of people um, preach that night, great worship, presence of God, all that. And at the end, they had a call forward for prayer. And Lisa and I went up and we prayed with one of the gentlemen. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He walked up to me after we shared that we were trying to get pregnant. It wasn't working how it had been like three years now. And he said, 
Lance, if you can't, if Lisa can't provide you, get pregnant, provide a child, will you still love her? And I said, yes, of course. And then she looked at Lisa and said, Lisa, if Lance can't do his part in helping you get pregnant, will you still love him? And I said, she said, yes, of course. And he prayed with us. And something happened in that moment. Nothing changed on the outside. But we just felt like something happened in that moment. Continued on believing God for that miracle. Continued on seeking medical help and advice. Continued on asking people to pray. Believing God. Come just before back to school started, we had a, a Sunday night service that we dedicated to prayer, praying for the teachers and the students going back to school. We, I noticed in the back of the sanctuary that there was a, a couple that had come that had never been to our church before, and I thought, wow, they're probably coming, thinking they're coming to a normal service, and here we've dedicated the whole service to prayer. Um, we want to make sure that they feel comfortable and don't feel like they're in the wrong place at the wrong time, and so we um, went back there, took some prayer cards that we had passed out to help people um, just guide them through that time of prayer. And we sat down and we were explaining this is our back to school service and um, what's your name? And he said, my name's Jerry. And she said, my name's Maxine. And we're like, great to meet you, Jerry and Maxine. Glad you came tonight. Um, do you feel comfortable praying with us? We're going to pray through this list. And I was all caught up on this list. And and just making them feel comfortable. And she dropped her head and started praying. And she said, and she grabbed Lisa's hands and she said, Lord, as this woman has been believing and crying out to you for a child like Hannah of old. Just believe that there's a son in her life. She said, son. And we're like, Dr. Nichols said we're going to have a son. And um, we were like, who is this person and how does she know? It's like she was reading our story. And she said, Lord, bless this woman. Hear her cries. Lord, as she is already barren with child. We're like, what? <laughs> that week, Lisa found out that she was pregnant. I'm saying, amen, yeah. During that time, I remind Josh of this a lot. We prayed and we said, God, what, what should we name our child? So name him Joshua David. And... Um, there's meaning behind those names that are special to us. And just knowing that God would use him, whether it's in the marketplace or in church ministry or whatever, to be a prophetic voice to his generation. And we're proud of him and believing that God is doing that now. But I remember during that time, one last thing. I was reading um, Psalm 84, 10 through 12. And back then, um, in the mid-90s, 
there was a song by the Passion Worship Team. You guys, some of you might recognize this. Better is a di- thousand years. Better is a day in your courts than a thousand years elsewhere. Remember that worship song? Anybody remember that worship song? Awesome song. Comes from this psalm. Let me just read it to you. It says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. I was reading that, and I almost skipped over that part, good. And I realized that sometimes I want to think that God's good looks the same as my limited idea of what is good. But as I stated earlier, remember I said bookmark Isaiah 55, 8, and 9, because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, 55.5 billion light years away from our thoughts. At the end of... um, that verse that says that he will not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly before him. And I'm like, God, Lisa and I are walking uprightly before you. And why are you withholding this good thing from us? But God's ways and his thoughts are higher. His timing is different than our timing. In that verse, he says that he's a sun and a shield. And God just showed this to me in a big way in the last few weeks. God is a son. He's, I think of son, I think of provision. He provides for us light, power, growth, passion, influence. As son, he sends forth, you know, the son sends forth warmth. Son sends forth energy. There's things that, good things that God sends forth to us. How many are in agreement with that? Then he's also a shield. When I think of shield, I think of protection. A refuge, an escape, rescue, help, power, strength. And as a shield, he's protecting his children from stuff. And sometimes that stuff is what we would determine in our minds, in our finite minds, to be good things. God, why are you protecting us from these good things? But he's a good father. God is with us. God is for us. Sarah Groves, um, she was a teacher in Rosemont, Minnesota, around the time that we were ministering in Minnesota, and she left her teaching career, and she took her energy and excitement and passion for God and his word and her analytical, critical thinking skills and how she was able to weave that into stories to become a songwriter. And one day she was reading through Charles Spurgeon's devotional on Psalm 84, 11, and she began, God began to just enlighten those verses and bring them to life in her life. And she wrote a song called Open My Hands. And I want you to hear what she has to say about this verse also, because she says it better than I can. I did have a few co-writes on this last record with Jill Phillips, Andy Gullihorn, and a song called Open My Hands with Allie Rogers, who is a great songwriter in Nashville. And we were talking about the verse that says, um, he withholds no good thing from us. 
and the, the puzzlement of that um, when you know people in your life that are they're having difficult times. And she shared with me this devotion by Charles Spurgeon. In Psalm 84:11, we read, No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Sir Richard Baker comments, But how is this true when God oftentimes withholds riches and honor and health of body from men, though they walk ever so uprightly? We may therefore know that honors and riches and bodily strength are none of God's good things, and the good things of God are chiefly peace of conscience, joy in the Holy Spirit, fruition of God's presence, and a vision of His face in the next. These good things God never withholds from the godly. I have found this to be true in my own life, that even though um, I might be struggling in other ways, God does not withhold His good things from me. Powerful words. God is for you. God is for you. See, pain and suffering, as Lisa and I learned, the others have learned in their walk with the Lord, has a way of loosening our grip on what we think are the good things, like health, wealth, success. You know, everything about our world today is um, like, Grab the world by its tail. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Work hard, sweat hard, you know. No pain, no gain. We determine all those things that, like I said, health, wealth, success is good things. Trying to grab a hold of these things leaves our hands clenched and closed and unable to receive. But when our hands are opened up, like Sarah said, we are free to receive the real good things from God. The things of his kingdom were, as Romans 14, 17 says, is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage those of you that might be struggling for different reasons during this season, feeling like God has passed you by, to lean into your suffering, to lean into your pain, and receive the good gifts that your Father will not withhold from you. God is for you. My grandma said, Lance, one time she said to me, Lance, God is for you, not maybe for you, not was for you, but God is. He's for you now in this moment. As you hear this this morning, he's with you. And if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then God is in you. In John 16, 17, Jesus says something that may sound confusing to some. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. There's people that said, but wait a minute. Didn't God say, I will never leave you nor forsake you, and I'll be with you always? Well, see, when God came... As a baby in the manger, he took on human flesh. He moved into our neighborhood, but he also took on human limitations, meaning that he can't be at all places at the same time. So he said, it is good for me to go away, because if I go away, there will be someone greater than me that will come in my place that will be with you and in you. So in Acts chapter 1, we read Jesus ascends to heaven. Acts chapter 2 the early believers, as Jesus commanded them to, went to the upper room, began to pray and wait for this coming comforter. And as they began to pray and wait in Jerusalem, their prayer meeting was interrupted when they got a serious visitation from the Holy Spirit. 
And in that moment, the Spirit of God moves in and takes up residence in each of them. Peter, who had denied Christ, is now filled with the Holy Spirit and preaches with boldness, and 3,000 people were added to the church. And the Bible says throughout the book of Acts, as you read, and the church was added onto, and the church was added onto. People were coming to know this Jesus, and the early church was started because the Spirit of God moved in and took up residence. This is a crazy thing to understand. There's an older worship song that we um, sang in my time, um, my teenage years in our church, and it was called Spirit Move, and the lyrics were, Spirit move in your temple. Spirit move in my life. Spirit move, I am calling. Spirit move, I am here. Friends, we are walking temples of God. And the Spirit, if you've called Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, is in you. This song is an invitation to the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. As 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. God with us, God for us, God in us. Acts 17, 28 says this, In him we live and move and have our being. I think we take a lot for granted. Even each breath we breathe, we take for granted. I mean, when is the last time that you considered the journey of an oxygen atom? I know it's been a long time <laughs> before I've done that. It was fascinating to read about this. It begins when air, air passes through your nose or mouth and unwanted dust is filtered out. Did you know that the average person, listen to this, moves about 440 cubic feet of air per day? It travels through the trachea and to the lungs. And also, did you know that the surface area of your lungs is 40 times greater than the surface area of your body? Doesn't that just blow your mind? Oxygen atoms travel through the entire body via blood vessels. And if those blood vessels were laid end-to-end, end, they would be approximately 100,000 miles long. That's long enough to circle the equator four times. In your body, blood vessels. At the end of that journey, oxygen enters individual cells and bond with the food we eat and releases energy. Biologists call it cellular respiration. You can look it up. I call it a miracle. And it happens 23,000 times a day. I think we owe God 23,000 thank yous for 23,000 daily miracles we receive. So as Acts 17:28 says, in him we move and live and have our being. It's true. Job 34, 14, and 15 says, If we should set his heart to it and gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and we would return to dust. God with us. God for us. Friends, God in us. God is in us. I'm going to have the worship team 
come and in closing, I want to close by asking you this question. Do you believe that God is good and does good to you? Let me repeat it. Do you believe that God is good and does good to you? There's a more important question for us to answer in this life. This is not a more important question, but for us to answer in this life. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will it not also be with him to graciously give us all things? Jesus is the proof that God is good and does good. I saw on Facebook a graphic, and it said, many babies are born and become kings. But there's only one king that became a baby. Jesus, again, is the proof that God is good and does good. God displayed his goodness at Christmas by sending his son, to be born in a manger. God displayed his goodness in sending his son to die on the cross as a substitute for our sins. Raising him up from the grave. See, friends, God loved us when we were unlovable. As I mentioned last week in Romans 5, 8, but God showed his love in this way, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God did not spare his own son who did no wrong so that he could spare us who did him no right. God was against Jesus so that he could be for us forever. He was forsaken so we could be forgiven. If God gave us Jesus, then what would he withhold? What else would he withhold from his children? What else would he withhold? I don't know about you, but I think we've already received the greatest gift, and it's not under the tree. It's not under the tree. Stand with me this morning. I just pray. As I prayed for you as I was preparing this message, Lord, thank you for putting this on my heart. Lord, speak through me. Sometimes I get tongue-tied. My, my kids laugh because I can't say words like fear that sounds like fear instead of fear. And they laugh at me and they remind me of it when I get home. So I said, Lord, despite all that, I stand humbly before you and just say, Lord, by your spirit, speak through me your word will not return void. So I pray that something I said this morning helped you to believe that God is good and he's on your side. And if God be for you, nothing else can be against you. It may not look like what you thought it should look like. You know, I've sat with people that said, you know, I had this perfect image and vision and all these different goals for my life and they didn't hasn't panned out the way I thought he said but you can still see the goodness of God in their life his thoughts his ways are higher than our ways and he's still good 
He's still a good father. Father, we just thank you this morning for the gift that you gave in your son. You didn't withhold him. You sent him to be a sacrifice for us. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that this would just be driven home this Christmas season. How much you love us. That's not about the trees, although the trees are beautiful. The lights, the presents, the generosity, the giving, the helping, the reaching out. All those things are awesome, Lord. But the true meaning of Christmas that God gave. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that. Father, I just pray right now that you administer hope healing, provision, all the good things, peace to your children today. Do it now, Lord. Just trust that the Holy Spirit is speaking to each of you this morning. As we just stand quiet before him, let him bring the application. Let him speak to you. It's times like these in quietness that God deposits hope. Little things, little nuggets to hold on to. For this last song, I just want to share. We had our boy and our girl, and we were on staff now in, in Minneapolis. And a couple in our church says, "You guys are working hard and tired, and we want to send you away." Shared their airline miles with us, and um, Christmas was coming. This was in the in the fall. They wrote us a check and said, just enjoy your a weekend in San Francisco. We always talked about how we wanted to visit there. On the way back in the plane, um, just feeling refreshed, we said, hey, we should try for that sons, that third, third one. Lisa got pregnant shortly after Christmas, and um, nine months later, September 12th, 2005, we were blessed with Caden fulfill that prophecy of sons and backing up a little bit um, I was out in the neighborhood pushing the stroller and um, Josh was just the baby at this time he was in the in the stroller we had went to the park with him when we were coming back by and I noticed this older lady standing working in her yard and I looked, I'm like, she looks so familiar. And she turned and we, our eyes caught each other. And it was my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Hagman. And she said, I said, Mrs. Hagman? She said, Lance? And I'm like, we just live down the street from each other? She's like, I guess so. And um, 
She said, what's this? I said, this is our son, Josh. And she pulled back, unzipped the little thing, and peeked in and said, oh, he's so beautiful. I always knew that God had something special for your life. And she shared with me that day that how it's my first three years of school, first, um, from kindergarten to third grade, which is tough. I struggled. And then on top of that, they switched the boundaries, so we had to switch schools. So I had to say goodbye to a lot of friends and start all over in a new school. And Mrs. Hagman was my fourth grade teacher during that transition. And I flourished that year because of the relationship that her and I had. She invested herself in me. So totally God. That after a time of seeking and waiting and praying and um, all that thing that I, that journey that I shared with you, that we would move right down the street and that I would share with her what I was doing now and for her to say, I was praying for you back then, knew that God had a plan for your life. Isn't that awesome? So before we sing, I just want to encourage you, God knows where you're at. God knows where you're at. God knows where you're at. You may not understand where you're at, but God knows exactly where you're at, and he's for you. Let's just worship him this morning. Shine. 